Hello and welcome. This is Sunny. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get right into it. So this is the uh, start of January 2022 and this episode we are reviewing the Sunnypoint 2021 ETF portfolio. Last year, for the first time, I officially started after a couple people said I should, uh, publishing 10 stocks publicly and also my reasoning around why they are right um, place to be in and the stocks that I believe were rightly positioned or at the right buying points. So last year I prepared a list of 10 stocks and um, pushed that as and published that as a portfolio online and um, I owned all of them myself although not uh, in the same proportion as the ETF but in this portfolio of this basket of 10 stocks we um, assumed that all 10 are equally weighted. So I have a sheet that is shared. Um, it was shared in the podcast, the link to that sheet. And in the blog, it assumes a hypothetical $1,000 invested in all 10 of them. So the total value of the portfolio being $10,000 and where it ended up being if you invested with me. So alongside me. So this right now episode is to review at the end of 2021, how did we fare, right? Uh, I also have done an initial podcast outlining my reasoning at the very start and have done a half yearly review as well. A podcast for that is a separate episode and the original um, post can be also found on the my blog uh, on sunnygoclany.com. So this is all to A, be accountable, be as transparent as possible, but also B, to take note and talk about a performance, wins, losses, lessons learned, and so on and so forth. So let's get into it. Uh, the overall performance, here's the bottom line to start with, was 8.82%. So this hypothetical portfolio that was uh, assuming $10,000 invested at the end of the year, if you invested alongside me, the value of your portfolio would be $10,882. So that would be a return of 8.82%. Goes alongside the same vein of thought how I expressed it in the half yearly review, which is by itself, 8.82% is a great return, right? Cash, I guess, lost money, lost its value. In this year as the inflation was high and of course savings rate what do you get you know 0.2 percent one percent or even less so what could you have done with your money of course you could have had invested in cryptocurrency or real estate but that's not the point um, this is a decent return with comparison to cash or bonds or um, muni bonds or just the 10-year uh, bonds, you know. So this is 8.82%. In any case, a decent return. However, <laughs> here is the thing. We did mention the benchmark, the benchmark being S&P 500. S&P 500 was up a drastic 27% or shall I say a stellar 27%. So we did underperformed by 18 full percentage points, which is 
really serious underperformance. So to be fair, it was a very difficult year for stock picking. Uh, and I don't say this just as an excuse. A lot of the S&P performance was driven by the top tech names, large cap tech names, and we wanted our portfolio to be not just, you know, be the top 10 positions in S&P. We wanted to have a different flavor, uh, have a different way or angle to approach it. And anybody, anybody who did not have Apple, Microsoft, and Google in their portfolio would have had a really difficult time outperforming the market. So with that said, it was a very difficult year uh, for stock picking. There was a lot of tech stocks, uh, growth stocks, which are not the large cap tech, which really got beat this year. Kathy Wood, who had a phenomenal 2019-2020, now had a really bad year. The ARKK, the flagship fund, is was down more than 25%. This is what I, um, I heard more than half of the stocks in NASDAQ are under correction and have been under correction for many months. They peaked in February of 2021 and they have continued to drip down, down, down and further so in um, the recent months after the Fed's announcement. Also, another statistic is 85% of money managers underperformed S&P 500 this year. So this just goes out to underline the fact that you don't have to do stock picking. You don't have to go to different people who promote or present stocks. I'm not promoting anything here, but at least I'm presenting stocks. You don't have to listen to them. You can as well just in, invest in the index funds and be great. And invest in VOO, which is the lowest cost vehicle to carry S&P 500. That's all great. That's all great. And I'll suggest that. I recommend that to anybody who doesn't want to get into it too much. Now, with all that said, going back to 8.82%, which is decent by all records, I would say. Except, of course, you have to outperform the S&P 500, right? That's the benchmark. That's the point. Why are you doing it? I have many other reasons why I do it. Because I enjoy the process, it teaches me so much, makes me a much better human, makes me uh, know much more about the world, uh, and a lot of other things. And I go crazy about it anyway. So, that's my reasoning. But, in general, underperforming the S&P 500 is not a good look, if it especially happens and keeps happening. Now, let's get into the portfolio. What happened? I will say... Um, the performance would be, let's say if we had to cover three categories, the big winners, the big losers, and everything else. The big winner. The big winner was Cure, C-U-R-E, which was the healthcare bull 3X ETF. So there were two risky investments that I had said we're undertaking in this portfolio. Well, kind of three. So one was Cure, which was a 3x ETF for uh, healthcare, the big healthcare names. We were coming out of COVID slash, it's still going on, right? So 2021 year was the year supposed to be where I would have thought, and this is what my thought was part of it, is that we would still have a lot of spending, research, and a lot of government buying 
a lot of central agencies buying a lot of doses of vaccines, of medicines, of supplies, uh, flu shots, etc., etc., etc. And the largest holdings in Cure are the Abwees, the Ab Abbots, the JNJs, the Pfizer's, and they were all undervalued last year. So this performed really well, right? So this was up 88%, 88%. So this outperformed the market by 61%. This is awesome. Now, the other risky stuff that I said had said was IPOF and Grab. So Grab at that point was us back and um, it was uh, AGC uh, UU AGC UU was broken down into AGC units and fractional warrants so unit was a stock and a fractional warrant unfortunately the fractional warrant is worth nothing because the stock is under $11 um, so Brad Gerstner bought Grab the company is good, decent, Southeast Asian uh, focused, but, 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 but the deal was done at a really high valuation. Uh, the deal was done at a $40 billion valuation. This has to be in line with the fact that Uber, the whole company, which is global, has so many markets, is the king of uh, rideshare, plus has food delivery business, plus has freight and so many other businesses is now about 85 billion. So it's pretty high. I didn't like the valuation, but those are the risks you take with a SPAC. And um, the whole SPAC bubble bust, the whole SPAC index has been down. I think the statistic was more than 80% of them are in red. So Grab was part of it. And we bought the shares at 1286, now it's at seven. So that's a big, Loser. So we'll come to big losers in a little bit, actually. Um, but that was another risky play that didn't work out, but Cure did. So outperformers. Big outperformers, number one is Cure. Number two is Lowe's. So Lowe's, uh, we were pretty optimistic about the housing market, and indeed the housing market did great, especially the housing retailers and also within which Lowe's is also undergoing its own transformation. So it got boost from the housing market being good, the consumer sentiment being good, but it also got, got boost of retailers doing better than actually the homeowners in a lot of ways and um, home builders. And then the third wheel is um, was that Lowe's in itself as a turnaround that is happening in work, in, uh, when work under progress. So with all that said, Lowe's, the starting point was 160. It ended the year at 258. So the stock was up 61% without performance of 34% over S&P 500. Honestly, these two are the biggest winners who have carried the portfolio. And without these two, it would have been a bad year. <laughs> uh, it would have been definitely a negative year without these two. But then you can't exclude your winners. You always have winners and losers. And Often you have one big winner that takes care of a lot of other losers and this is what happened. You just need some big winners. So this was these were the big winners. The big losers. The big losers, um, I would say the biggest two. Let's cover two. <laughs> Number one, no doubt, no surprise, Alibaba. Alibaba went started the year at two thirty two. 
and went all the way down to 118.79 to close down the year. You can't just you just can't explain what happened with this stock. There have been did it take it took a beating after beating after beating after beating. Every single day you wake up and the stock is down. You know one of those stories. So definitely the central point is the Chinese government's influence on this. When Jack Ma went missing for a while, then well it started with. Um, it started with uh, the Ant Financial IPO being uh, shelved, and then we heard that, and then it went on and on and on with the fines, with the inquiries, and that stuff wouldn't stop. So the negative news kept, kept piling in, stock kept going down, and ended the year down 48%, sorry, 49%, which is an underperformance versus S&P of 76%. This was really, really bad. Anybody having Alibaba in a concentrated portfolio was supposed to have a bad year. Then the third, sorry, the second, the second bad stock would be Grab, the one that we were talking about. SPAC from Brad, Brad Gertzner. Again, I like Brad Gertzner and... Um, it's just that the deal was really expensive in an environment where the high growth stocks were not in favor. It was a really bad um, call, I would say, but then that's the risk you take with SPAC. Um, myself, in my holding, I sold the stock at 14 and then sold puts for uh, $13, which also got assigned, but at least I saved 30% of the fall. But the way this works, I announce it at the start of the year and it goes till the end of the year and whatever happens happens so grab was down 44 percent so these have been the two biggest losers right so the two biggest winners cure up 88 percent lows up 61 percent two biggest losers alibaba down 49 percent and grab down 44 percent thankfully the gainers gained a lot more than the top losers but then again the market was positive so um, they had to have the bias that way, I guess. Now, everything else is the category which covers everything between like minus 20 to plus 30%, or even you could say minus 30 to plus 30%. The biggest um, outperformer in that category was Regeneron. Indeed, the stock was cheap. Indeed, um, it was working on pills for covid Indeed, ILEA performed better than expected. Everything went well. The evaluation is still cheap, but it's working through some things. Um, but I still own the stock and I'm a supporter. But uh, yeah, that was a 30.7% return for the year. The stock, the company, uh, the price at the start was 483. At the ending of the year, it was 631. Good winner. Slight overperformance over S&P 500. The second winner was CRM, Salesforce. Uh, it was up about 14%, started the year 222, ended the year 253. Good, but not good compared to the S&P 500. So it lagged by about 13%. Next, Bristol Myers was flat, absolutely flat. I don't know. It, it does a thing where it lays low and lays flat and just 
languishes for a long time and then takes a big leap forward. The whole year went by and unfortunately it just languished. It is still pretty cheap, I would say, and um, it is still a good buy with good dividend yield, but underperformance they was almost equal to the S&P 500 because it did nothing. Merck was down 6% as I covered in the mid-year review. Things quite didn't go quite the way I expected. Amazon, another stock that just languished and it does the same thing. If you see the charts, it languishes in a range for a really long time and then just just breaks the range, breaks out of the range and keeps going up. So that's what it, it did, languished the whole year. This is one stock that I'm carrying forward to the 2022 portfolio. By the way, the post, the blog post is already up for 2022 portfolio and I will record a podcast episode soon as well for that. But Amazon is the only one that I've carried forward to the next year from this list to the next one. Who did we leave behind? We discussed everything here except IPOF. <laughs> That's Chamath Palihapathia's second SPAC. So SPACs didn't quite work out for us, did it? Did they? So this one actually didn't work out for a different reason. The whole year went by and there was no deal. So the entire story here is the speculative um, layer, the thickness of the speculative layer above $10 got reduced from $2.30 to $0.18, cents, right? And that's how the stock was down 17% and underperformed the S&P by 44%. No business of its own. So that's what happened. Overall, if we put this all together, we were up 7.8% and then 0.83% was the contribution of dividends. So the biggest dividend contributors were Bristol-Myers and Merck, and then came in Lowe's. So Bristol-Myers and Merck were between three to 4%, and lows is between 1% to 2%. So I would say I'm decently satisfied with this portfolio return, right? It did not contain entirely risky bets, which is pretty good because if it contained a lot of risky bets coming out of 2020, just like ARC funds, we must have been down about 20 plus percent. It's good not to be down, you know, any year. Yes, underperforming the S&P, and I don't say that as an excuse to just run away. I'm very clear about this is not good versus S&P. But at the same time, any positive year is good. So we balanced the value picks with the fair priced, reasonably priced picks with the risky picks. And I've tried to do the same in 2022 portfolio. Our risky picks, the success rate was one out of three. Cured it pretty good, but it was a big winner up 88%. The other two did not do good. Both were SPACs and SPAC land just shook and took those two with it. Our stable names kind of just stayed stable. This was Bristol Myers, flat, Merck, down to flat, Amazon, flat. They didn't do anything. And growth at reasonable price actually did pretty well. So... Lowe's did well, up 60%. Regeneron did well, up 30%. CRM did well, up 
Alibaba spoiled the whole mix. Alibaba just spoiled the whole mix. If only... <laughs> no, I'm not going to do... If only Alibaba was not there, what would have happened? No point in doing that. So, <laughs> I understand. So, the growth at reasonable price once. Three out of four success rate. Alibaba did really bad. Um, the large cap ones were supposed to be stable. Just stayed stable. Didn't break out. All of them. Neither of them broke out. So, all of them stayed stable. And the risky ones, success rate was one by three. But the success rate by percentage. Let me see. So success rate by percentage, all three together, the return is about 26%. So I would still say it's good. So this was the portfolio. What lessons did we learn? Well, one bad name can really sar the whole performance, and Alibaba did the same. Second, of course, a lot of stable names you bank on to be there for you, but also keep doing well and marching ahead, but timing does not always work out. Bristol Myers, Merck, and Amazon, they all just languished. Maybe this year they break out. All of them do. Who knows? But this year they didn't. And three, I guess risky ones, um, they're always risky by default. I could have done better, but I think we picked two SPACs, and it's just not a market for SPACs. 2021 was not the year for risk on premiums for high growth and no profitability uh, businesses and SPACs are usually them. So the market uh, direction didn't go in our way. The sentiment direction didn't go our way. Otherwise, I think the SPAC premiums would have been higher. Plus the deal with Grab, we didn't control the valuation pretty high, but then he's investing with a 10, 20 year mindset. He, uh, Brad Kirchner, he has a three year lock-in period and our performance was locked to one year. Dividends, another thing, helped us. So Bristol Myers, Merck, and Lowe's, 0.82% definitely helps, um, slightly improving the performance. That's another thing. And I guess the fourth thing is a good mix always helps. So maybe the year was really bad and had a recession and the stock market tumbled 30%. I would have thought Bristol Myers, Lowe's, Merck, Amazon, um, and Regeneron would have still, and even Cure, I mean, Cure is leveraged, but still healthcare names are more stable. They would have held the fort. And if it went like really momentum and high beat, high momentum names, um, if that's where the direction and the wind was blowing, I think uh, IPOF, Grab, which is AGC, Regeneron, CRM, and still Amazon would have done great. And in the mix year of great uh, large cap tech performance, we didn't have Amazon, sorry, we didn't have Apple and Microsoft and Google. Those were the biggest performers. Um, but without them, I'm pretty decently satisfied. I'm not happy, of course. I'm not, you know, super excited or anything, but I'm decently happy. We could have done worse, uh, but of course we could have done much better too. So that's the review. If you have any questions, whatever you're listening, uh, you would know my socials and comment on the post. The blog posts can be found at sunnygoklani.com and then go to the blog section. 
you can also find um, the article on Seeking Alpha. So if you Google my name, Sunny Goklani, you'll find them there too. You can comment there as well. And I hope you listen to the 2022 podcast, which outlines my picks and reasoning behind them. The blog post itself, though, is pretty detailed, so give it a read. If you, again, go to the blog section, that would be a good place to read it. I hope um, you invested in some names, and I hope those names were not Alibaba or AGC. So, uh, yeah, I hope you did well in your portfolio. Let me know of your thoughts, and I hope you read the 2022 post and listen to that podcast as well coming soon and in, in, um, invest alongside me in 2022 and hope the year well goes well for all of us happy investing goodbye <laughs>